You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Okay, today, you guys, we have a special guest speaker. Pastor Shane Cox is from Grand Rapids, Michigan, a latchkey church that he helped found just a couple of years ago. He's a friend of mine. I've known him for over, like, 10 years, probably. Actually, we were in Israel in 2019 together, actually, him and his wife and and my wife as well. It was an amazing time. And the last three days we have been gone, the staff and I, we were on a, a retreat, and I've been teaching for the last three days. And so I asked, hey, Shane, would you come on out, man, because um, I'm going to be busy, and I would really really need your help this Sunday to, to help preach. And so he decided to say yes, and he's been so kind and gracious to join us today. Would you help to welcome Pastor Shane Cox? Good morning. What up? Y'all doing all right? If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20 is where we'll begin. Uh, I see that you're going to be uh, speaking to your children about the birds and the bees. I'll pray for you on that. Um, (laughs) The Lord led me to uh, share with my son, when he was of age, that whole thing at Chuck E. Cheese. So uh, (laughs) we got to talk about procreation uh, over some pizza, and then we played some games. That was a great day. Oh, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you. It's always a privilege and an honor to be here. It's always a a little vacation for, in a way, for me and my wife. We're from Grand Rapids, so coming here is great. So we really appreciate this. We, uh, this is my third time to be uh, invited back means that's pretty good. So um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh, inviting me back. You probably like, I didn't have anything to do with it. But well, anyway, anyway, you're here. And uh, I'm asking that this morning, you would be willing to open your ears and your mind and your heart to what the Lord by the Holy Spirit wants to share with you from the Word of God. Uh, take my words, that's fine, my commentary, but really hold on to the Scripture as we bring that to your attention this morning. And also know that I will be preaching to myself first and foremost. Uh, Just a little bit of where I'm coming from, the last four years of my life, my family's life, it's been pretty rough from 2018 to 2022, and actually bleeding into 2023. But, you know, the Lord is faithful, and when I am not, He is And that's the beauty of who he is. As Pastor Marco said earlier, you know, Israel has not really been in tune with what God wanted and following and all of that. And they have, you know, gone, they've turned their back on their covenant and all of that. So um, just know that um, scripture is, is good and clear and true. And we've been resting on that and holding on to that. And, and, uh, but, Maybe you, this is where I'm going with it, maybe you are in a time also where you you just have a lot of stuff stacking up on you and you're just praying for a little reprieve because you're like, I can't take any, one more thing. I can't take one more thing, add it on top of everything else, compiling upon me because I can't even breathe as it is now. 
So I'm suffocating, spiritually speaking, or whatever, anxiety, depression, worry, all of those things. Please know that the Lord is faithful and he is on time. And that's the thing we have to trust with him. In regards to him is we have to trust his timing. And that can be uh, excruciating sometimes. You're looking at your clock in the calendar going, you got to come through now. Not yesterday, today. It's like, I got a few more days, don't worry. You're like, I don't know. You want to trust him. Trust in him for who he is and what he has done in your life, in, through, and all around you. So please um, take that. Um, usually when I speak, I, I really want to emphasize what God has done and is doing in, through, and all around us. But today I got something a little different for us. Um, you know, it's what, how we can better our relationship with God. We know that we are saved by the precious blood of Jesus. His blood washes over our sin, past, present, and future. And all of that, we get it. Good. Awesome. Keep that in mind. Because the enemy has a mission to destroy and devour you any way possible. So we have to keep on guard. Wearing the armor of God in scripture, in community, you know, where we can iron sharpens iron. We can encourage one another and hold each other accountable and all of that. This is good. These are good things. But this morning, I want to examine something that has the potential to be a huge detriment to our spiritual life and our journey, for that matter. I have a few questions, though. First, well, who or what do you worship? You say, well, that's easy. We sang about it. I worship Yahweh. I worship Jesus. I worship my Lord and Savior. That's good. But what is an idol, perhaps, in your life? And as it says, casting down our idols. Maybe we'll do a little bit of fall time cleaning of where we're at in our assessment of how our relationship is with the Lord. We're covered, sanctified, we're on the road of sanctification, great. But what are some of the things that you have and I have in my life and in yours that is a detriment to our spiritual walk and our journey? The definition of idolatry, according to Webster, is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence for some person or thing. An idol is anything that replaces the one true God. You're like, Shane, I, I got this, man. I don't have any graven images that are on the mantle in my house that I worship or bow down to. I get it. That's understandable. But is there anything in your life that is coming in or has taken root or a foothold, if you will, by the enemy himself that would cause you to... Rebel against the Lord, turn your eyes away from him, not fellowship, not commune, not be a part of his mission and purpose, to not be fully devoted, wholeheartedly devoted to him. The most prevalent form of idolatry in scripture was the worship of images that were thought to embody various pagan entities, all right, so or deities. From the beginning, God's covenant with Israel was based on excessive or sorry, exclusive worship of him alone. Deuteronomy chapter five, the Israelites were not even to mention the names of false gods. We know that from Exodus chapter 23. So it mattered. It meant something. There were even uh, 
some commands that were given to the people of God. Ten of them, right, from the start. Because, okay, from the beginning, God's covenant with Israel, it was based on just worship of the one true God and him alone. Because to do so would acknowledge their existence by uh, mentioning the names of false gods and give credence to their power and influence over people. Dropped a pen. In fact, Israel was forbidden to intermarry with other cultures who embrace false gods. So this was a big deal. It matters. It still matters today. Because God knew this would lead to compromise. In Exodus chapter 23 to 5, it says, You shall have no other gods before me. <coughs> Pardon me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image Excuse me. of anything in the heavens or on earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. Isn't the God of the universe, isn't it, isn't it all right for him to actually say and command that, oh, by the way, this thing is exclusive. It's me and it's you. And your worship is unto me, for I am a jealous God. There shall be no other gods that will take my place in your mind or heart or in your life. Church, we become like what we worship sometimes, right? Uh, and, and if that's true, uh, we are by nature worshiping creatures and we will eventually become like what we worship. If that is true, then we will become more and more like Christ, right? It sounds good. However, idolatry and worship of other gods is permeate, it's permeated through Scripture, and we can look at Psalm 135. It says this in verses 15 to 18. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak, eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. How about the account of Moses and the golden calf as depicted on the picture? In Exodus 32, it says this. So it was, as soon as Moses, he, came near the camp after coming down the mount, after receiving the tablets with the Ten Commandments, after seeing the physical presence of God from behind, coming down to the people, and it's like, well, Moses, you've been gone too long. Let's look at it. Um... Then he took the calf, which, okay, oh, sorry. So, sorry, sorry. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf, which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it into powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. Like, oh, you want that? You want to worship that? Well, here, ingest it. Take it into your body. You know, if that's what you want. Sometimes when we believe that God is taking too much time or God is not concerned about us or our best interest isn't on the forefront of his mind, then we sometimes will go to something else and devote our worship or our passion or a desire on that thing, graven or non, and we will say, now I will worship this because you are not coming through for me. And we justify worshiping of idols 
because we're upset with God's timing or the way he's answering or not answering one of our prayer requests or he's not giving us a reprieve because I'm praying, Lord, if anything, can you give me a reprieve? It's too much. I can't take it anymore. My faith is on fumes. I'm running on fumes here. You know, and you might be in that situation. And that might be temptation to go to another God, lowercase g, if you will, and incorporate that and devote your devotion and passion to it and your desire. And then ultimately becoming like that which you worship or the idol that's on the mantle of your heart. He burned it in the fire, scattered the water, made him drink it. And then Aaron's like, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? They brought it upon themselves. The Old Testament kings were a mixture of good and bad. Bad meaning they did evil in the eyes of God. They strayed away. One mark of of a good king is that he would hold the kingdom accountable regarding worship. There was a righteous king. His name, Hezekiah. We know about him in 2 Kings 18 to 20. But listen, this guy got rid of the idols in the temple and in the community. He got rid of the foreign altars and the pagan shrines. King Hezekiah was the son of the ungodly king Ahaz. He was a faithful worshiper of the true God and he reopened the temple of Solomon. 2 Chronicles 20. He gave directives to eradicate the idols throughout his kingdom, warning his people of the retributions which befell their ancestors for abandoning the true God. After this, idolatry stopped, not only in the kingdom of Judah, but also in many areas surrounding the kingdom of Israel. 2 Kings 18, Hezekiah was 25 years old, just a baby when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. This is what it says. Just as his ancestor David had done. He removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, cut down the Asherah poles. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. Say, well, I'm not a king or a queen, but maybe you're a parent, and you manage a household, and maybe it's time as the mother and father or guardian or caretaker of those people, young, old, adult, whatever, to do some autumn cleaning and clean out the idols from your home. Now again, I say I'm preaching to myself. Please hear that and and know that, okay? And I'll share a couple of those with you later. But what is idolatry? It's the worship of idols or some other god, okay, established. The Old Testament prophets endlessly prophesied dire consequences for Israel if they continued in their idolatry. But the Lord gave them a word and he instructed them to go deliver that word. And sometimes it was, hey, don't shoot the messenger. You know, I'm just delivering the message of God. And with it might come judgment or consequence or 
some sort of retribution or something, right? Mostly they were ignored until it was too late and God's wrath against idol worship was poured out on the nation. But our God is merciful and he never failed to forgive. And please know that too. That might be a lie of the, of the enemy for you. The Lord can't forgive that. That thing that you have hidden away and locked up or that idol that you worship, the Lord cannot forgive that. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. Repentance and forgiveness. Healing and restoration. That's what we seek. Idolatry, I argue, is a matter of the heart. Right? Self-centeredness, a love for possessions or a thing and ultimately rebellion against God. Is it any wonder that God hates it? Despises it? How about us? How about now? The idols of the 21st century often bear no resemblance to the artifacts used a thousand years ago or dug up today. All the various forms of modern idolatry have one thing at their core. You're like, why are you bringing this to my attention? Because I believe that as you are going through a series based on relationships, specifically marriage, family, I believe that if we can identify idols in our life, cast them down, repent and confess that the Lord will heal and restore us and we will in turn, God will manifest better things in your life and in your relationships, marriage, family, friends, all of the above, as we devote ourselves fully and wholly to him. So my question for us is, what is in the way of that? And if you're human, there's got to be something. Or maybe you're good. Man, I got no idols. I'm great. It's me and Jesus. And Jesus is actually on the dashboard of my car. And he bobs to my music as I drive and listen to Christian radio. That's great. That's great. But if you're truly honest with yourself, we say, search our heart, O oh God. If there's any wicked way within me, you, you, you make it known to me. And if it gets in the way of this communion and this fellowship, then I cast it down. And sometimes we can do it on our own, and sometimes we need only the Lord's strength, or we need the accountability of those in our life. Because there are the, the secret things that we have hidden, I know. All right, back to this. All the various forms have self at the core. Most of the world no longer explicitly bows down to idols or images. Got it. Instead, we worship at the altar of God, the God of self, with a capital S. This brand of modern idolatry takes many forms. And isn't, doesn't it go back to the very beginning in the garden? If you eat of the fruit, you will be like God. If you allow other gods into your life and to be sitting at a place of royalty in your heart and life, then that has the ability to crush you. Or you will become like that God. Various forms, though. Understanding contemporary idols can help us better know why they proved to be such a powerful temptation. 
An idol can be anything we place ahead of God in our lives, anything that takes God's place in our heart. That's where I am. That's where I'm coming from. This feeds in many different ways, but we worship first, I believe, and I'm going to try to put them in categories that have, I can't list every single idol in our life, you know, and the Holy Spirit's going to bring something to your attention that isn't on my radar. That's between you and him, right? Our homes are filled with all manner of possessions, but this feeds our need to build our egos through the acquisition of more stuff and things. And we build bigger things and bigger houses and storage units and more closets and space to, in order to house all the things that we buy, much of which we haven't even paid for yet. Now, I'm not trying to get down on our possessions because it's truly about, well, do you possess your possessions or do the possessions, possessions possess you? I get it. And we're going to need things in our life, aren't we? We, we need to survive and make, uh, provide for our family. I get all of that. Most of our stuff, though, has a plan to, to make it obsolete after a little while, making it useless in no time, or it breaks down. They don't make things like they used to, and we consign it to the garage or a storage space, and then we rush out and buy the newest item, garment, gadget, and the whole process starts all over. I'm just saying that perhaps your idol could be materialism, living in a consumeristic, you know, first world country. I'm just saying, well, let's watch out. You know, watch for the stuff and things. Second, we worship at the altar of our own pride or ego. All right? Again, not laying all of them out before you, but a few. This often takes the form of obsession with careers and jobs. We strategize on how to get that promotion, how to get the next raise, how to close the deal. In the meantime, our children are starving for attention and love. We, we fool ourselves into thinking we're doing it for them. Even ministry, you know? Ministry can be a mistress. Just like your job or your hobby or your passion. You know, uh, we give in to these things for a better life. But the truth is we're doing it for ourselves if we're really being honest with ourselves. To increase our self-esteem by appearing more successful in the eyes of the world, what we put on social media. Well, this is all folly. All our labors and accomplishments, if they are not of heavenly value, will be of no use to us after we die. These worthless rags will be gone. Nor will the admiration of the world, because these things have no eternal value. Third, we worship at the altar of itching ears. This is a kind of a um, out of left field, out of pocket one, if you will, but I felt like it was worthy of putting in here. There's another form of idolatry prevalent today. Its growth is, in, is fostered by people who continue to drift away from sound biblical teaching. Just as the Apostle Paul warned us in 2 Timothy 4, a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. This place is a good place for you to do that, to be listening, to be under the word, to be asking the questions, to be dialoguing with things that are stirred up within you, to uh, iron sharpens iron and to be held accountable. This is a great place. 
They, but they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Be careful of some of the teaching that is out there on the YouTubes. Just saying. Be careful. You know, be a good Berean and search the scriptures to know if it is true or not. We crave a kinder and gentler God who is in, infinitely more tolerant than the one revealed in scripture. Why? Because we want what we want when we want it. You know, and we try to justify what we want, even if it isn't of God, because we crave it or, or we have a desire for it. One who is less demanding, though, that's the God we crave from a human standpoint, and less judgmental and who will tolerate many lifestyles and perhaps most destructively, the, one of the umbrellas that I've been dealing with is Worshiping at the altar of self-fulfillment. Sometimes we turn to these idols, seeking solace from the hardships of life. You know, life is tough sometimes. And when you're in it, you're in it. And you can be weak and vulnerable. You know, isn't that true? Is anyone just like, I'm super strong, I'm like Superman, in my spiritual life, nothing can harm me, not even kryptonite. I've got this. Well, be careful, because when you're not guarded, that's when the enemy can swoop in. And, and again, he, 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 his desire is to destroy and devour you, to put you out of commission, to make you complacent, apathetic, numb. Sometimes we turn to idols seeking solace from hardships, though. And addictive behaviors such as drug or alcohol use or even something like excessive reading or television viewing may be used as means of temporary escape. A, different, a difficult situation or the rigors of daily life. Prescription drugs, it's at an all-time high amongst adults and Adolescent young people, and how about food? Adults and child obesity rates in the U.S. have skyrocketed. The self-control we so desperately need or desire is spurned in our insatiable desire to eat, drink, be merry, medicate more and more now and later when we resist any effort to get us to curb our appetites. And we are determined to make ourselves the God of our own lives. There is a, a piece of rebellion within your heart. This has been man's desire ever since to be God. And as we have seen, the, the worship of self is the basis of all modern idolatry. To be the God of self. All idolatry of self has its core and the three lusts found in 1 John chapter 2. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. If we are to escape modern idolatry, we have to admit that it is rampant and reject it in all its forms. It's not of God, but of Satan. And in, in it, we will never find fulfillment. It will promise you fulfillment, but it will not 
provide fulfillment. You know what I mean? It's hollow. It's a vortex, a black hole. It's a place that, that it propels you further away from God. If we're to escape modern idolatry, we have to admit it. This is why when asked, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus replied, well, this in Matthew 22, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, everything you've got. He is worthy of that devotion and worship, isn't he? And commitment and trust. He's the God of the universe. He set it up. We have to trust him. We do. We really have to trust him and love him with everything we've got. Why? Because there's no other room for idols or other things to worship or to devote ourselves to, you know? When we love the Lord and others with everything that is in us, there will be no room in our hearts for idolatry. But why is idolatry so powerful? Ultimately, the answer is this. Well, it's sin, yes, It is a sin nature of man that causes us to worship modern idols, all of which are in reality forms of self-worship. The temptation to worship ourselves in various ways is a powerful temptation indeed. I've succumbed to to the temptation. In fact, it is so powerful that only those who belong to Christ Jesus and have the Holy Spirit within them indwelling them can possibly hope to resist the temptation of modern idolatry. Even then, resisting the worship of idols is a lifelong battle that is part of this Christian life. We'll be dealing with it until we take our last breath. But then glory. It doesn't matter what empty pleasures we chase after or what idol or which false god we bow down to. The result is the same. Separation from the true God. Some of the things we idolize are clearly sinful. Other things that we incorporate, they're good things, but they have the ability to become like a God to us. Is that fair to say? Okay. Yeah, I I think so. I just wanted to make sure that that point came across. Many of the things are good, such, such as relationships and careers and All of that and goals. Yet scripture tells us that whatever we do, we are to do it for the glory of God. Everything to his glory. 1 Corinthians 10. And that we are to serve God and him alone. Deuteronomy chapter 6. So pause. Where are you at? What are you thinking? Are you like this guy? Oh my goodness. Where did we find him? Across the state? That worthless place? (laughs) Oh, why is he back? I know. I don't want you to leave here discouraged. I want you to leave encouraged. You know? Not about what we have to do and all of that, but what we can do. You know? To better our relationship and devotion to Christ. All right, so... Unfortunately, God is often shoved out of the way as we zealously pursue idols. Worse yet, the significant amount of time we often spend in these adulterous pursuits leaves us with little or no time to spend with the Lord. Right? Got it. When we exploit the precious blood of Christ, 
and we exercise our Christian liberty. Why? Because we are covered by the blood of Christ. So things may be permissible, but not all things are beneficial, right? We can be permitted to do this or that or not do this or that, but is it beneficial for your spiritual walk and your relationships with God and each other? If we're supposed to love him with everything we got and love our neighbor as ourselves. Okay. When we exploit the precious blood of Christ and we exercise our Christian liberty to think or do what we desire, we must be careful not to allow that liberty or thing to take root in our heart. And it's a slippery slope sometimes, isn't it? And slowly allow it, we don't want this, to consume us or to be our driving passion or the thing we worship. And it has the ability to become a God, lowercase g, on the mantle of our hearts, that in that place where only God should rule and reign and reside. You know what I'm saying? Oh man, you keep, you're beating this into me. I, I know. 1 Corinthians 10. So my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. Cast them down and flee. Run away. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves what I'm saying and if it's true. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say... I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. That's where we get that from. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. It can be a slippery slope. This thing that I'm allowed to do in my Christian walk, with my Christian liberty, just be careful. Because you may think that you have control of it, but it may have control of you. Is that fair? And our Christian liberty then becomes an idol that we polish and place on the mantle of our heart where only God should reside. And uh, we find ourselves worshiping it and devoting our life and our time to it. And then it becomes a vice that we can't get away from because it's got its grips on us or its talons in our flesh. And it's controlling our lives. And I see this in addictive behavior and addictions. Right? Christian liberty. I'm good. Oh my, this has a grip on me. And now every, every thought in the back of my head, it's there tapping on the back of my brain saying, it's time. You, you deserve it. You, you need a reward. You need a break. You need a reprieve. It's there. And then that controls you. And that steers you instead of God by his spirit. That's why scripture says, don't be controlled by wine. Don't, don't give in to the temptation of wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be full of wine. Be filled with the spirit, right? So for me, one of the things, if we're being totally honest with each other, well, I'm the only one with a microphone right now, but that's fine. I'll be open and honest with you. Over the last four years, 2018 to 2022, bleeding into 23, 
man, it was rough. And you know what I was doing? I was using food to satisfy everything. Even late at night, you're like, oh, food, that's a cop out. It is true. Have you ever been eating and you're like, why am I eating? I'm not even hungry. Like, I don't need that. What are you doing? You're satisfying your flesh and it's comfortable and, and, and you know, it's great and it fills you. And it may suppress whatever you're running away from or trying not to think about. I get it. You know? But there, it came, there came a point in my life where I have like four amazing women who are telling me, you need to do something. You need to make some changes. My lab work, my blood lab work was off the charts. Cholesterol, crazy, blood pressure, oh my gosh. And uh, I needed a wake-up call. And it took some people that love me and care for me, gave me a chance to, to, uh, to assess that and hear from a doctor and then make some changes with diet and starting to incorporate some more exercise. Another one for me, honestly speaking, alcohol. You know, you tell yourself, oh man, I'm just going to celebrate a little bit with this bourbon. Oh my goodness, people, the bourbon got a hold of me. And it's like, oh man, I had a great day. I'm going to celebrate with a glass, two-finger glass. You know, next day, oh, today was a rough day. I need a drink, you know, I'm going to, I need some of that. Today's a mediocre day, but by golly, I deserve it. And I'm going to uh, relax with this, this glass and, you know, whatever. You, you fill it with whatever you want to fill in the blank with. Now, I was going to it and those things that I could ingest instead of falling on my face at the foot of the cross and basking in the shadow where my Lord and Savior is and will always be because he is faithful and I'm not. You know what I mean? So I just want to be honest with you in that. You know? And know that, that we can... <laughs> We can bring in those things. And um, all of a sudden, through time and a season or two, I, oh my goodness, I need help to cast this down. Because it's getting in the way of my relationship with the Lord and it's hindering my relationship with my wife and it's taking time away from my children. We have idols created by us that crave our worship and to worship them is idolatry. Worshiping a God of our own making is particularly tempting for many whose habits and lifestyles and, uh, are, and desires are not in harmony with Scripture, harmony with what the Holy Spirit is saying. The things of this world will never fully satisfy your human heart. They were never meant to. Only God takes that place and can satisfy that spot. The sinful things deceive us and ultimately lead only to death. Romans chapter 6. 
The good things of this world are the gifts from God meant to be enjoyed and thankful heart and submission to him for all his glory, the, the heavenly treasure that we can take with us. The idols won't take help you take anything to the heavenly places. But when the gift replaces the giver or the created replaces the creator in our lives, we have fallen into idolatry and no idol can infuse our lives with meaning or worth or give us eternal hope. We were created in God's image, Genesis 1, and designed to worship and glorify him as he alone is worthy of our worship and praise, devotion and trust. God has placed eternity in your heart, Ecclesiastes 3, and a relationship with Jesus Christ is the only way to fulfill this longing for eternal life. And maybe that's the, the place where you need to start this morning. I, I talk about idols and gods. I don't have a God. But I believe there is one and you're giving a name to that God and he's claiming my worship and he's demanding it from me as my creator of the universe that I know and don't. And today I will submit my heart and life and I will accept that blood sacrifice in my place so that I may have fellowship with the Lord but maybe it's time to cast down an idol. That's why I love John, at the end of John chapter 5, it says in 1 John chapter 5, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. That's the last phrase of that book. Keep yourselves from idols. I do like the New Living Translation. It, it takes a little bit of liberty with that from um, the Greek, but it says this. Dear children, do not allow anything to take God's place in your heart. That's what it says. Yeah, they did take a little bit of liberty, but they're explaining in that what an idol is and saying, keep away from those things. Dear children, don't allow them to overtake you, have a foothold in your life and destroy you from the inside out. 1 Corinthians 8. You must be careful so that your freedom does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. So our idols can be a stumbling block for others. Even if we cast them, be careful not to make another to stumble. We have to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. The Bible clearly speaks against this type of behavior and focuses instead on calling believers to live holy and pure lives unto the Lord. There's a blessing when we live holy lives and prohibit idols from surfacing in our lives. We can take away from the information. We know that God is deeply, God deeply dislikes the idols in our lives and he wants them destroyed. He wants them cast down and he doesn't want others influenced by the idols in our life. Our God takes an invested interest in our lives and he only wants us to be serving him because there is a freedom with serving him when we are have cut ourselves away from the idols that can destroy. All right. With this, do me a favor and close your eyes. Maybe if you feel led, you know, bow your head, close your eyes. Just listen to this scripture and hear what it says in regards to our topic this morning. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, since we... Christ followers are surrounded 
by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off or cast off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of high honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. Church, I don't want you to become weary and give up. I'm asking you to strip off every weight, even the idols in the satchel, the secret satchel on your back. Give it up. Cast it out. Cast it down. Burn it in the fire. Ground it, grind it up and disregard it. Why? So that there is repentance in your heart. You turn from that thing and you turn to God. You're confessing it. Scripture says, confess your sin one to another so that you, there can be forgiveness that only God can bring. And in that forgiveness, there will be healing and restoration, healing of mind, body, holistic healing and restoration in fellowship and community and whatever else God wants to do. So Lord, we give you our lives and we give you our hearts. I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up at this time and the rest of the worship team if they're not here, but we just uh, want to sing a song, but use this time as reflection to say, search me, O God, and know my heart. If there's any wicked way within me, wash me white as snow. Do not remove your spirit from me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. O God, renew a right spirit within me. Say that and see what the Holy Spirit says. With your eyes closed, I'm just wondering, is there anyone who would like to receive prayer or ask for prayer this morning? Is there anyone who says, there's an idol in my life and I need to cast it out and I need the Lord's help because it's got its grips on me? If you're that person this morning, would you raise your hand and I'll remember you in prayer. Is there anyone this morning? One hand I see. Thank you. Two hands. Thank you for that. That honesty. Three hands. Thank you for. Thank you for that honesty. We appreciate that. That's you being real with the Lord, you know. It really is. It takes courage to raise that hand. It's identifying it and calling it out. That's what it's doing. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the work that you've done, the work you're doing today, the work you're gonna do. We praise you. I ask, Lord, that you would give us motivation and strength, supernatural, to identify, call out, cast down, get rid of anything that hinders our walk. We wanna run with patience, yes, we do. You are the author and finisher of our faith and we don't want there to be anything that hinders our relationship with you and our love for you and our love for others. Help us to be mindful of it. Let it bring it from the back of our mind to the forefront. Give us accountability, strength, motivation, discernment and wisdom and strength when we need it. We love you and praise you. Be with those who raised their hand and were honest with you in that way, in the company of this place. Thank you, God, for who you are. We love you and praise you. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the beginning and end and everything in between, and we worship you now and forever. 
always and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing a song. Uh, use this time to sing or praise, reflect, assess, but also come forward if you would like to receive prayer.